Hi everyone, my name is Essen and you're listening to the Brown History Podcast. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Siddhartha Kosla. He is a six-time Emmy-nominated film and television composer. He did the music for This Is Us, Only Murders in the Building, and many more. He also did the music for the movie Goldmire, which is, which is out now. But the coolest thing on Siddhartha's long resume and list of accomplishments is that he is the lead singer of the band Goldspot, which is such an underrated band. And if you haven't heard their music, do yourself a favor and check them out. And check out the film Goldmar, which just came out. And uh, before we get started, if you're enjoying Brown History Podcast and the Instagram page and everything in between, and you want to help out and you want to support, which we could really use the help, do consider being a patron. Uh, just visit brownhistorypodcast.com. It's really simple and your help goes such a long way. Anyways, um, let's get started. And uh, here we go. I saw, I, I met Rahul a while ago and uh, I read the movie script before the movie was actually made. And oh, nice. uh, one of the, one of my naive suggestions was that I didn't understand, like I couldn't like the character Adi, the young kid. I'm like, he's rich. He's, he's comfortable. Why, why is he complaining? But wow. it's very interesting to see how music makes him more uh, likable. So when you're making music in your in your projects, is is empathy something you look out for? That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that question. You didn't get that from the other questions. No, no good. that was all me. That was all you. You had that one in the canon already. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't consciously <clears throat> try to bring empathy. Like I don't consciously try to make characters likable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. And it's a great question because philosophically, like that's an interesting thing to approach music for as a score for something is to make something lovable and likable and relatable. Um, but that's never sort of the, that's never the motivation, you know, if that answers the question, like, I think for me, it's, um, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm driven by writing sort of more universal themes and, you know, like, uh, like a few themes that we can come back to over and over again. I love writing themes. Like this is what I do best is melody and theme. And so inevitably I don't write themes that are just character driven often. It's more bigger picture. So right. If I'm linking, if I'm linking a character with the same theme, to another character, maybe that's what's making him or her more likable or relatable because you're I'm putting them all together in a way. Um, and then and I and I and I and I attach them to each other in a way by theme. And um and so maybe that subtly does something. I don't know. So usually when I start off an episode, I usually go back to the history. Since the page is called Brown History, I usually start with the person's history. And yeah. with you, I wanted to know, no, I I think you were born in America, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how, from where did your parents originate from and how did they make the big move to America? And how, what was that process like for them? So so my, where are you, by the way? You in, are you in LA? I'm in, I'm in Toronto. You're in Toronto. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my my parents came to the U.S. Um, in the late seventies uh, from India. They were in Delhi. They lived in Delhi, and um, and they came to New Haven, Connecticut, to go to law school and med school at Yale. 
smart people. Yes, very. And um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I was born. And um, at the time they came here with like $8 because there was foreign currency reserve or lack thereof, sorry. So you couldn't, right. you, you only, only money you could really exchange was like getting, when you get to like JFK airport in New York, like whatever you could, you there was like a finite amount of, you know, rupees. They were, they were limited. You were limited. <clears throat> and, um, and so, you know, it was, they were working full time. <clears throat> My dad was shelving books at the law library and um, going to school for the rest of the day. My mom was working in the hospital and, uh, and then school rest. So um, they saved up enough money to send me back to India. And I was raised by my grandparents for the first couple of years. And so I lived in India until my parents felt like they had, you know, set their feet a little bit. And then I came back. This is, yeah. this is before, this is like long distance, very expensive phone calls. Yeah, these are the long distance phone calls that when you called, like you heard an echo for like 20 seconds. So did you did you feel the, I guess, the absence of your parents at such a young age? I was so little. <clears throat> I don't I, I don't I, I it was I, I mean, I, it clearly, I mean, it was a formative stage in my life. So I'm, it had some impact without me knowing probably with me without me really knowing, you know, but um but yeah, I mean, we, my mom would send me a cassette tape, you know, with her voice on it and sing me songs. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's how we exchanged. That's how we, that's how I heard her voice. They would send me these tapes. Um, and then I would record over that same tape and my grandparents would send it back to the U.S. And my mom and dad would record again and send it back because it was like $8 or $6. No, it was like 20 bucks or something to make a long distance phone call. It was right. stupid. It was stupid. You still have those cassettes? My mom has has it. Yeah, and she's hidden it from me because she knows I'll lose it. So uh, your mom saw, sang you songs. So that means music was a big thing in your household. Yeah, and my first experience in recorded music was listening to my mom sing on those tapes. Uh, what music were you listening to as a as a child after um, you moved to America? It was a lot of Hindi music. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, my my parents recognized at a young age that I could sing, and so my mom would like I was the kid that would sing bhajans at temple on Sundays. Like it was me in front of all these Indian, all these aunties and uncles, and um, and so I would listen to like Muhammad Rafi, Kishore Kumar, Lata Mangeshkar. Wow. Like those were like that's and that's how I learned to sing because I learned to sing their songs. And they um, stayed in Connecticut. That was in Jersey at that point. So, yeah, I came back. No, I came back to Connecticut. Yeah, you're right. And then Connecticut, Florida, Florida, Jersey. It was all over the place. And when, um, all based on, like, where my parents could get work. Okay. And what, what year, what decade were you in New Jersey? 80s. I think that's fascinating, too. I think that's part of the story. I don't, you know. But, yeah. yes, Let's stick to music. What's up? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's uh let's talk about Gold Stop. Gold, Gold Spot. Spot. How did you form the band? Because I mean, your parents worked hard, sacrificed, you know, put a lot of effort into settling down, and then here you are, and you're like, hey, I'm gonna form a band. That's like the right. biggest, like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. it's a thing you don't tell your parents. Right. Um. 
you know, it was like it was interesting because it's because of my mom that I sang and she always like, she was like really like made me sing and made me sing and pushed me to sing, pushed me to sing. And, and, and then when I wanted to do it, I remember they were a little reluctant, not little, they were very reluctant because they just know how tough this industry is, you know, and they know like, it's not the easiest route. It's the, it's a, it's a, it's a high failure rate. You know, it's like all the stuff that's like, that will freak out any parent, you know, let alone, I mean, especially Indian parents. Um, And, but for me, it was always, my dad was always like, if you're going to do anything, you do it with the pasya, you know? So you do it. You go all in. You go all in. And so then I did it. And then like, you know, and so I, you know, I, I, I moved to, eventually moved to Los Angeles. I had like a job here. I was like, working for AT&T wireless. I worked with kids and gangs. I had like a whole thing I was doing and then also trying to make my record at night, you know, like, so it was like, I worked a full-time job and then I would go and record every night till like three o'clock in the morning with like a friend that was letting me use the studio for free, you know? And then who I eventually made a producer on that album. And that was the album that got me my big break ultimately. Which, which album is that? Do you mean uh tally of the... Uh, Yesman yeah. was a great yeah. album. Um, Thank you. Were you the oldest child? Or were you the firstborn? Oldest child, yeah. I mean, oldest child. So there's a lot more pressure than the rest of the siblings. Where did you get the balls to drop out of school and to, to do this risky thing that might not go anywhere? Well, I never dropped out of school. I thought you, so, I thought I read somewhere that you stopped being a lawyer or you went to law school and you decided to ch- you changed your mind. No, I, so I, my, I, I, at the end of college, I, I, I thought I was going to, I was like, okay, I was going to maybe be a lawyer. And I took the LSAT and then I, and I, and I ended up canceling my score and then I never applied to law school. So I finished college and then did not go to law school. So I never became a lawyer, but I was at one point thinking it might happen, but, well, you know, I think, so that was sort of a sign for me to like, Hey, maybe I could start my band. And so my best friend from childhood, um Sanjay he and I started Goldspot and then consequently Sanjay left the band to go to law school and then and then I and then I uh and then I kept on doing it um and then got signed and then and then a lot of work went into it years of playing and playing and playing and then I finally got signed as an artist to Universal um, and then that's eventually how like the Indian market in India and like London, all of them heard the music and that's how that started. And uh-huh. then eventually after making a few albums then I started making music for television and film. Um, was it hard for you to get signed? Because it's not very often that you see a brown guy being the lead of a band. I mean, you have Young the Giant, but that came years after you. And then you had Corner Shop. But that was in uh, in England a while ago. So England's was it hard di- for you? And England's a different scene too, because there's like, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it definitely was. Because I remember it was like 2003, four when I started like playing out in Los Angeles, and we had all these record labels come to see the band perform because we there's a lot of buzz around like this album and and people would come and see us perform and i remember like hearing from like through my manager like heads of labels 
like one comment once was like, we can't market a Brown lead singer this close to 9-11. Oof. Oof, that's racism again. <laughs> but that happens. And so, you know, those those events also like sort of strengthen you. And and I and I know that I took a lot of like I think I that that stuff like doesn't get to me. Like that never really got to me. You know, like um Do you know why? Never, Do you know why it never got to you? Cuz for a lot of people, for a lot of people, no, I'm asking. Cuz for a lot of people it gets to them. Like it, it holds them back, and it's it's so it's amazing to see someone that takes that and and turns it into strength. So, do you know where you got that power from? <clears throat> I think probably from my mom and dad. I mean, just like they were both sort of trailblazers in many ways. You know, like they left their just like our parents. I mean, they all like they left their homeland to start a new life here. They went through so much difficult times setting up a life in a whole new place. They dealt with their so their share of you know, their share of discrimination. And so you, and, and, and then I saw them make something out of nothing. And right. so when you see someone make something out of nothing, that, that, that shows you that like anything is possible. And so I think you sort of, you, you have that to look at as a foundation. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was so committed to like being a musician and I was like, and singing and being a band and writing school whatever and then now i write a lot of scores but like um that i think the passion for music was just like nothing could take that away like mm-hmm. you can, whatever like, like you said that like whatever i'm you know it, it it i doubled down at that point you know how did it feel watching your success you've been nominated for an emmy i mean emmys you've been nominated for emmys by the way you've been nominated for an emmy six times in a span yeah. of four years, but you don't even have your own Wikipedia page. So I would look into <laughs> that. But it's kind of full circle that you're making a, a you know, an Indian movie. It's not really a typical Bollywood movie, but it is an Indian movie. And you grew up doing uh, religious songs and temples. And there's a holy sequence in, in Golmahar. So it, it must be full circle for them. Yeah. How did you, how did it feel now looking looking at you now? It feels great. And um you know, like the reason why I started um, singing in the first place was um, the way the reason the way I learned how to sing in the first place was listening to Hindi songs from films, from Hindi films. And and so to now go back and now write those very same those same songs for another generation to listen to, uh, you know, is very fitting. Um, mm-hmm. I'm able to sort of take my life's experiences um, from my childhood experiences, the good and the bad, um, and and my family experiences living in Delhi and seeing my how my seeing what happened with my family there and my family here and applying all that stuff to this film uh, is a very sort of meta experience too, and it feels great. It's a, it's a very special feeling. In uh, around like 2012 you you shifted from being a in a band to i mean the band is still there but you you shifted to becoming a music composer how did that yeah. shift happen and how did you know that you were able to compose music because i'm assuming they're very different and you guess i guess you get you miss out on the um performing in front of the audience and and that thrill if you were into it or not so yeah you know it's funny your dream was to be i mean your goal was a band and then you kind of it kind of you're still in the same world 
but it's kind of changed. Yeah, it's a good question. It's like it's like you're in my head. It's amazing. You're like you know exactly every issue I've had. Like you've nailed it. You know exactly what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my dream was to be lead singer of Goldspot, and Goldspot was going to blow up to be this big thing, and um, it was what I sort of like. You know, it's just my dream. Like any kid in a band, that's your dream. That's it. You want to be the next U2. You want to be the next whatever. Yeah. Right. And you were there. You were kind of, you were pretty much there. I don't know if I was there. I you mean, were, it's underrated, but it was, it was a pretty good, uh, it was. It was a good, I, mean, I, 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 I was proud of the work. The albums were great. I'm, I think we made great records. I, and I, think, I we, think so too. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I think we were like, and, and, and I, and I, and I, and we, and then when my record came out on Mercury um, in the UK, that record, Telly, um, it got all this incredible buzz. It was like the Sunday Times um, was like, this is like, there was, it was like, also would say stuff that was ridiculous. Like it was too much praise. It didn't make sense. It was like best band to come out of America in years and like, stuff like that would be said about us. So the expectation was so high. And, and then the record came out and like it flopped basically because like it was like it didn't it was in this time when like music was being absorbed in by other in other mediums all of a sudden it wasn't about the physical record sales anymore it was like you know you know like it was pre-streaming but it was still like iTunes and it was like it was like the mp3 market like all that mm-hmm. stuff so things as to, to, to 2005 was a very tough time for music. And it was like, you you were basically losing an entire revenue stream for a record company. Like they weren't making record sales anymore. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't happening at the same level as it was before. And I remember at that point that like, but at the same time, there was like a whole audience for the film music that was like craving it. And it was awesome. Like we would play sold out shows everywhere and like go to India and play for like 10,000 people. And so it was like, awesome. Right. So you're li- in that sense, it was living the dream. But then in terms of like what a record label defined as success, I was not meeting that. And so then I came back to the U S because like we had an option to go for another, another uh, run for another record on universal and my manager suggested we get out of the deal and we just leave because, you know, we were getting the sense that the record label was probably not going to invest as much money the second time. And so he's like, you're going to be more successful on your own, go on your own. So came back, started my own little indie label and then put out another record and another record on my own elephant is dancing. And then Aerogram and all those albums got placed in television and film. And I was, and I was, I had a lot of syncs. And so that's what you call it, syncs. And it's like these songs were being placed in television and film. And so that was building sort of like my name then among producers and directors and writers. Like, oh, this is an artist. We can use his music here and there. And then eventually a friend of mine from college um, called me and he said, hey, do you want to come and score the second season of my TV show? And at the time I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Like I, this, I've been writing music for albums for myself for years. I don't know how to write music to picture. It's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. I'd yeah. done like maybe like, I'd done like a Google commercial or like a target commercial or something. And, maybe, and so I was the only experience I had. And so I was like, I can't do it. He's like, no, I know you can do it. And I was like, 
again, someone that really believed in me and was like, you can do it. And he's like, you can emotionally connect in your music and I know you can do it to picture. And so I took the gig reluctantly, not thinking mm-hmm. I could actually do it because I was never trained in any of that, you know? And, um, but then it led to like lots of gigs or from like other producers and directors and other producers. And, and then, you know, then This Is Us obviously put me on the map. Um, and it was that same guy that hired me for This Is Us, my friend from college, Dan Fogelman. Mm-hmm. And then Only Murders in the Building became a success. Uh, so all these, so it was really somebody taking a chance on me and then me, that person believing in me before I believed in myself. Yeah, and then that, that guy changed I, everything for you. Yeah, I really did. He did. And, it, and then it, left, it led, this whole, led to this whole other shift. And then all of a sudden there was no time for a gold spot and it's like and and you know and so then now i have you know a bunch of films and shows and things that i do and and so it's really rewarding is there grief saying goodbye to this other dream or at least putting it temporarily goodbye not now but initially so much grief yeah like i i used to like if three months if like sorry if a month went by and i wasn't and i had not performed on the stage i would get like depressed mm. like it would really it would affect me i would really feel i could feel it i would feel i would be in a funk i'd be like oh my god like i could feel the cloudiness like i was so used to being on a stage and performing and it was such a cathartic thing for me it was therapeutic for me to be up there and then to not do it all of a sudden, it was it was devastating. It hurt. Like I was like, oh, I miss. I was like, and then I would then I was like, okay, I gotta go do it. I'd go do a show, and I'd be like, oh, fine, that felt good. Now I can get back to this. And then eventually, the space between the shows grew longer and longer and longer and longer. Live shows, um, because the work grew here in Hollywood yeah. television. And then I, but then now, like I do perform. I do. I, and when I do perform now, I, oh man, I love it. It takes to, I, it's a while between it. And now I do a combination of like my scores with an, or I'll have like a full orchestra and we'll do a show. And then, um, and then, and then also pick up my guitar and then sing a song in the middle of it or something, you know, which is fun. I mean, the first time when you did music composing, how did you know, like when your friend asked you, can you do this for me? How did you know, like you could do it? Well, there was, there was a lot of, tr- I didn't just pick it up and all of a sudden did it. You know, it was like I had to learn it. Like I had to like practice it and I had to like work on the same scene like 15 times till I got it right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I can't tell you the number of rewrites I had in that first year. It was just like, you know, I must have written hours and hours of music for like a 20 minute episode for a show, 30 minutes, you know. And um it's like with anything, you know, if you practice it and you do it, you get better, you get better, you get better. I also trust my ability to write music and I trust my ability to write music that connects. So that's half the battle. If I can, like that is most of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know I can write music, whether it's with, whether it's with lyrics or as a song or as just a piece of music. I know that's something that I, I, I it's something I do. It's something I've always done. And so, um, uh, you know, and then knowing that, like, if you close your eyes and you listen to it, I can make a connection. And then if I see picture, I'm like, you know, that picture is also helping the music. 
if it's the good, if it's the picture's good. And uh -huh. so, um, you know, you, you learn, and then you also learn by like rewriting something 50 times. You learn what you did wrong, what you did right, why someone responded to this and not to that. And so now at this point, now I'm, now I don't really, now I don't, I'm not rewriting as much, clear, uh, very little. I'm writing it and it's like, gets good. It's accepted. It's right. So, um, I also knew that like, you know, it, it took years of working on projects that weren't ultimately that successful either mm -hmm. for me to start cheating it like when this is us came along that thing was like yeah it, biggest, show in, biggest show in america and then all of a sudden i was like I've, I've spent these years sort of like practicing and honing my craft and now i had this opportunity and it's also something i love and the music i'm making i can make something that comes from my soul i'm really liking what i'm doing all of it is a perfect sort of confluence of wonderful things happening at the same time that at that point, I was like, okay, I can do this. This is us when I was like, I can do this. When you're doing an Indian movie uh, like Goldmar, which is about to come out, um, I know I know, music is music and music is universal, you know, uh, but in this case, there is, I guess, a change in instrumentation. And it's very, you know, you could tell that it's an Indian music thing. Did your process mm -hmm. change knowing that your audience is going to be more Indian than American? No, I mean, I just the 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 process changed based on what the film was. Like, it's this is an this is a family drama set in mm -hmm. in in India and so in Delhi and um and and there is something that is in, in that is intrinsic to that environment that needs to find its way into the music, and it's like there's sounds. There's sounds from the street. There's sounds from the home. There's sounds of what's playing on the vinyl. There's sounds, whatever it is, right? There's stuff, and so it 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 felt responsible to bring that sound in. Um, whereas, like, but all the but a lot of the a lot of how I wrote it was on piano or guitar um, or on things that I normally write on, and then the melodies also had this very sort of like sd berman rd berman-esque thing to them which is where a lot of my influence comes from and so it felt um like for me it's a dream i was like okay we're gonna go rd like an rd berman-esque type of score then i'm gonna use the chennai orchestra to play and i'm gonna work with the guys that played on those old records and, wow you know, like and so full circle moment for you yeah it was really really cool um so so yeah so there, but there's a good healthy mix of sort of like the western sort of approach of how i normally write mine's not really western i don't know what it is it's some something global somewhere in between and then you know and then even the indian instrumentation we used it was like it, it wasn't like doublas for example it was like you know i use like gutham or like other like little uh, quirkier percussion things that you don't always hear and they're not playing the parts that you would normally hear them play either you know mm -hmm. it's like you know it's just sort of the way i always approach this is us too like i played all the percussion on this is us with my fingers on my tip of my desk the desk that i write on and tap wow. my fingers on the desk 
and recording that with a microphone and layering it and stacking it. And I was basically playing tabla parts, but with my fingers on like a wooden table. So it's like, it never sounded like a tabla. So it didn't feel like, oh my God, this is fusion. It didn't feel like that. It feels global, not fusion. So you just have songs, melodies coming in your head. You're in the shower, you're driving your kids to school and there's a, there's a sound in your head and you're just, you're like, hmm, if I ever get approached with a horror movie, this would be a perfect melody. Let me just <laughs> lock that up on the side. Is that how it works yeah. with you, your brain? Yeah, basically. There's like, wow. there's a lot of, um, and oftentimes off of, off of a reading a script, I hear a melody instantly. And then, so for me, it's just like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a ton of like, you know, my a ton of voice memo recordings or whatever on my phone, just every day. So how does the process work? Rahul comes to you with a script and he's like, read this. And then he films it and then you watch the movie and then you then you put your music in. Or is he making the movie while you're making the movie? Or do you make the movie music first kind of? And then he kind of sets the film tone to that that scene, to that song. And or do you guys come together and kind of figure out how to how to do this? Yeah, good question. I mean, and when it comes to the score, that's something that I wrote after I started seeing the picture. But the songs are things that we had written before they filmed. Okay. The so songs some of the play songs, a part in the story. Yeah, because there's there's people singing some of the songs too. Yeah, yeah. And so some of that needed to be pre-written. And, um, and then the score, I just wrote as I saw a picture. Um, you know, he would send me like a cut and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to, like, just like, sometimes they put what's called temp music in the cut where he'll like put placeholder music in places and I have to go replace it. But I was just like, I don't want to hear any of the temp music. Let's just watch it dry, we call it. And so I watched it dry, no music. And then you mm -hmm. feel it. You start playing along with it and you start noodling along. My first pass of watching it all the way down, I have the picture and, I have, and I'm recording. My, my, my Pro Tools is just recording as I'm watching it down for the first time. And I have a mic on my guitar, a mic on my piano. And I'm just like jumping back and forth and just playing. And so then the first performance of the score is there. It's just like, me noodling for the very first time just responding and then inevitably in that i go back and listen i'm like oh that was good that was not good i'm gonna make that into something you know so you find something that first watch is always key for me the the opening scene of a movie the opening music how serious is that like how important is that because that's that's the mood that the audience you know gets into it's the most important part of the film it sets the entire mood it's like the it's like okay and that first three minutes is like, I got the tone of this film. I know what this is. I know, I know what I'm getting into now. I wow. know if it's a drama. I know it's a, it's a comedy. I know if it's like cheesy. I know if it's elevated. It's all of it, you know, and you want it to be elevated. Uh, it looks like it's dark outside for you and it's two in the morning here. So let's wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, so, so nice to meet you. Yeah. It was nice to meet you too. Um, let me just ask one last question. What do you think of the music today? What do you think? Music from where? Music from in America. Uh, Drake, The Weeknd, Kings of Leon. I mean, that's actually not today anymore. Uh, yeah, it's not today. today. I, mean. I, I like The Weeknd. I do like The Weeknd a lot. Uh, I'm not a Kings of Leon guy. But um, 
weekend I like. Um, I think there's good stuff. I think, I mean, I don't know how today, I think, I think Frank Ocean's great. Frank Ocean's amazing. Los Angeles. I, I think there's like some incredible, I think Anderson Pack is great. I think there's just a lot of great, interesting artists, amazing artists. Um, and the reason why they're good is because like they don't sound like everybody else. So, and I think that's the key. There's always going to be in every generation, no matter how, no matter how, no matter how much music goes downhill collectively, there's always yeah. people that that break from the mold that do something interesting that you're like, okay, that gives me hope. You know, that gives me like faith that music is going to be fine. There's always crappy artists, but there's always some really good ones that just shine. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this was a pleasure. I uh, can't yeah, wait man. to see more music coming from you. Thanks, man. Take care. Take care.